0: An obsession. Journey into the world of his Gorda and travel along with the boy from that way as he embarks on a quest to return to the very depths of the nightmare that brought him through the White Door. Once more, as we step through the White Door. Welcome back to the twisting and mystic world of Iskalda. We rejoin Mantic and the boy from that way as they head out to fulfill the wishes of the wise old trees. With foxhole on Earth's tree gone, the pair head north and soon find themselves on a path ripe with trolls, bandits, and battle. Welcome back to the White Door, let us step through now for Chapter 15 the way north and the complications of travel. The Troll loved children, always had, as far
1: as he could remember. He loved their laugh and their smiles, mostly their bones. He did admit once to a colleague that the laughter of a child made his stomach grumble and dance. Of course, such feelings were not uncommon in Troll society, but that particular day had found him with other such companies such company that found the taste of soups and wild game more favorable than the succulent meat that hung from the growing bones of little boys and girls. It was a right shame, as anyone with a lick of advice in their skull can say, to find something disgusting until you've tried it. The troll never did give up spreading the word of the deliciousness of adolescent children, especially the bad ones, whose sinews seemed to collect evil and turn it into tasty juices that could rival the best halfling sauces in the land. Some trolls made bread of the powdered bones of children, but Ixl thought that to be a distasteful and an outdated method brought on by the giants of the Old Lands. Ixl preferred his children still screaming, perhaps with just a dash of paprika. Nothing accompanied fear like a rich spice, this the troll was sure of. Fear opened the pores and got the blood pumping fast, which allowed a quick and tasty circulation of spice and other added flavors. Altogether, it was Ixl the Troll's love for child meat that now had him blocking the path over his favorite wooden bridge, barring the way of a man accompanied by a rather delicious looking boy. He could practically taste the fabric. I'll say it again, beast man, Mantic spoke sternly as he slipped from the horse saddle in one gliding motion, and I will say it again as well, stranger. Haven't had a morsel to put in this old tummy for some time, and that young prospect traveling you is just what the shaman ordered, the troll said in a rather eloquent tone, patting his stomach. Big words for a troll, Mantic retorted. What? You smacked it more me smash em big em trollums. Um, yes, actually I did. Eisen found himself sliding out of his own horse saddle as Mantic and the troll conversed, although much less smooth than when Mantic had done it. In fact, the saddle were judging the whole endeavor. He would have scored Mantic's dismount at least five points higher than Eisen's. That is, of course, if the saddle were judging with the well-accepted ten-point judgment system. Of course, the saddle was nothing more than it was, and thus kept its opinions to itself. Approaching the two, Eisen felt an odd tingling sensation crawl up his sword arm. Mantic and the troll ignored the boy's approach as they were busy haggling a deal across the bridge. No, a leg is not fair. It's not a fair toll. The boy needs it. Heck, he needs them both. got a fair deal of traveling yet to accomplish, Manic said, smiling wide. Well, I need something. My stomach, stranger, is one hard one to cut a deal with. It's got half a mind to tell me just to eat the pear yet. Without so much as a single word, Isaac gripped the hilt of the family blade and withdrew it from its leather cradle in a flash of brilliant steel. There was a gurgling sound, much like the way an oar sounds, pushing through the waves and a sleet spray of red. As if in slow motion, Aizen sheathed the blade well before the troll's head disappeared over the railing. A thunder of the head hitting the earth, followed by a bell-like ring of Eisen's freshly sheathed sword as it slid into its home. Then silence. Well, that's some water under the bridge, lad. Mannix said in a quiet voice, obviously still stunned by the boy's arcing action of violence. I... Don't think there is any water under this bridge, the boy replied in a hollow voice, trying to shake the tingling away from his arm. Mandy did not inquire about the incident and all of their further travels. Let's go under the bridge and see if the troll has anything great. A few minutes of rummaging revealed that Ixel the Troll had been squalor and had no real possessions of value or even general use. The area was pretty much a circle of dirt mixed with the odd end of bones, feces, clothing articles, and old rusted miscellaneous metal items. In the center of the clearing, a large crack could be seen in the ground, running north and south. The manic looked north, the boy looked south. The line went in both directions as far as they could see. Closer inspection revealed the crack in the earth to actually be a very fine cut, a very razor-clean cut, following a rather straight line on the ground as deep as a man's pants pocket, as wide as a forearm. You know, boy, Mandic said, shuffling his red and black cards he had pulled seemingly from thin air, I think this could be the line that Headmaster Waldo was telling us to follow boy looked puzzled. I thought they had Bando Tree's Mantic cut into the sentence as he licked his finger and tested the breeze. Whoever told us that, the fact is that we found it north, right? Said north. Yes, north is what I remember too, Eisen said. The boy went to walk out a bit to check the line in the daylight, but he heard sounds of movement fast approaching from above them. Like thunder in the sky, Horse hooves could be heard, bursting the general silence like the suddenness of an ambush. The gallop of the horses sped onto the road, then clopped on over them to the old wood bridge. A silence reclaimed the area, only this time it was devoid of its previous sanctuary. Magic's red and black cards had seemingly gone back to the thin air that he had pulled them from. "'It's a troll, Brendelbur,' came a rough voice from overhead. "'Damn, that thing had its head cut clean from its neck,' came a second and an even rougher voice. Well, all the damn nation and back again, Talton, where else would you expect a head to be cut clean from?' came the roughest voice yet. I heard there be a beast that lurks in the darkest woods, said to have many heads, some of which grow on its sides, retorted the rougher voice whose owner had been called Talton. Well, Talton, does this seem to be such a dark beast? Perhaps a war troll for some hidden gollywobble tribe out here? The roughest voice sneered in jest before ordering the men to search the bridge. Aizen and Manic turned to each other simultaneously, wide-eyed with the urgency. What do we do? Aizen whispered. In one loud exhaling breath, You tell me, mighty monster killer, I've never been under this bridge before, Manic said with a slight laugh. This is not the time to be funny. We need to do something. Yeah, you know, boy, you're starting to sound like Slendari. Before the two could do anything, a great net of silver and green thread came upon them like a blanket on a child napping. The ropes tightened until Isaac and Manic were pushed together in a ball of kid and killer. A final and most brutal tug toppled them over into the dusty filth on the ground. Both coughed and squirmed until it seemed futile. Well, 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 what will we hear, came the roughest voice from almost directly over them. Isaac could see a boot near his face, but wasn't sure who the boot belonged to. A woodsman and a son? Hmm. No, a uh, prince and his retainer? Ah, a jaded baker and his boy lover, certainly. There was a light tinkling of armor, the kicking of feet, followed by a moment of silence. Even Manic could feel the embarrassment in the air. A squeaky voice coughed in the back. Well, <clears throat> said the roughest voice, which both Manic and Eisen had deduced to be the leader of this ragtag band. What are ye? Angry and in pain, for starters, Manic said harshly and strained as Eisen's elbow was thrust up to the center of his neck. With a delicate pull, the net snapped away from them in one whipping motion. It was as if Manic and the boy had momentarily become ghosts. As the net and his threads passed right through the boat, the net landed with a heavy thud sound at the feet of a very tall and very dirty barbarian man. An odd sense of change instantly crept over the boy, and within seconds, both he and Manic realized the magical properties the net truly held. From head to toe, everything of decent value that they had on them was now in the net. The magical net just ensnared the valuables and pass right through the actual body. Eisen could see the family blade in the net, surrounded by and unusually tall top hat and a few other items that were too garbled in the ball of treasure to really see properly. The noise of tightening leather crept into Eisen's ear and he realized Manic was with clenched fist as he too had noticed the net's power. "'That all you got, boys?' said the roughest voice as he kicked open the net with his large skin boot. The leader was without a doubt the cleanest one of them who are suddenly starting to give off a very bandit-y vibe. Mandic's lips curled as he watched the oafish barbarian leader pick up the top hat and put it on his own head. I take it you are brindelberg Mantic asked, rubbing his neck and getting up to his feet. That I am, he confirmed, his long, dirty hair falling in clumps from his shoulders, and he's turned his head to answer. I'm guessing you are the spearhead of this ragtag troop of fellows. I was hoping you guys would be the Thieves with a heart of gold type, you know, robbed at the evil and scheming and give to the needy and sick, Mantic replied as he helped Eisen from the filthy floor of the Trolls' hideout. We are the needy and the sick, Brendelbore said and added, and we are much more thieves with a heart of greed type, but I understand the angle you're trying to work. Once on his feet, Eisen had a moment to really size up the situation. Brendelbore stood tall before them, a patchwork sorty of obviously stolen attire and gear. The boy had never seen so many distinctly different pieces of an outfit on one person. He felt the man look like a knick-knack shelf, decked out in the most clashing and random styles and tastes. I like you. I like your stuff, Brendelberg said, tipping the top hat at man Don't follow us. You don't want to mess with Elric Brendelbur and the Thieves of Dangerousness. The Thieves of Dangerousness? Manic inquired through a stifled laugh and raised brow. Obviously he was not the first person to inquire about the particular name they had chosen as Brendelbor already looked prepared to defend the name. Yeah? what of it? Is it because you've heard of us before? Manic paused a moment. Whether to keep from laughing or the size of the situation was anyone's guess. That's the best you could come up with. Manic was enjoying the change of conversation. There's one thing he enjoyed. It was picking on you large and unusually idiotic barbarians. What's so bad about it? I don't know, Manic replied. It just seems a little uncreative is all. Really? Rendelberg said thoughtfully, placing his meaty hands on his hips. Just a little constructive criticism, Eisen added, catching on to what was going on. But we are dangerous, and we all love danger as well. Brendelbeer said with a lull of agreement from his men. Yeah, but it's just not that intimidating. I mean, thieves of danger? I was more frightened before I knew you had that title, said Manning, casting a half-smile, and an increasingly self-conscious group of bandits looked about at one another. Well, originally we were going to go with Brendelbeer's Bandit Brigade and had this whole interesting idea of calling ourselves B-3 for short. The leader said this with a hint of undeserved pride. That's literally the worst nickname I've ever heard. Mannix said the straight face. Brindleworth's smile faded, and he drew his blade while simultaneously kicking dirt up at the pair. Leader began shouting loudly as his slow mind was quick to anger, even quicker to confuse. All right, Mr. Critic Man, why don't you suggest your fantastic and scholarly ideas, since you obviously got an ear for which ones are good and which ones are terrible. He said it furiously and pointing the blade at Mannix's chest. Hinnick, always keeping cool, brought a finger up to his lips and tapped him like, Well, you guys are thieves. Hmm, let's see here. Thieves, bandits, burglars, vandals, hoodlums, marauders, marauders? You guys are marauders, right? Hinnick asked Brendelberg. The barbarian turned to his cohorts to double-check. The group, there was a lull. Hey, you guys are sold in this whole danger concept, right? Yes! Because danger is awesome, Brindlebur said excitingly, lowering his blade. Banty took a dramatic step back and threw his hands up, waving them outward as if spreading a sign in the air for all to read, much like a director would do to suggest one's names and lights and fame. The Danger Rotters, he said in a voice perfect for the stage. Eisen had to look at his shoes and swallow hard to keep from laughing. So it was that he was caught by surprise when the previously titled Thieves of Danger went ballistic with joy. That's incredible! Perfect! I feel more dangerous already! Mantic felt the timing right and asked for their stuff to be returned. The laughing stopped suddenly. Of course not, friend. However, we will let you live. Consider a token of thanks from the infamous now Otters, cried Brimblebur. Arrgh! cheered the new Dangerotters. We're right, men! Brindleburg yelled amongst the joviality and a great sweep of stolen goods, unwashed faces, and an undeserved sense of accomplishment. The now Danger Rodders were gone. Eisen and Mantic stood in silence, swimming for even a small island of sanity on which to stand. They got the family blade, Eisen said seriously as his body finally relaxed. He'd pretty much been completely still during the Danger Rodder encounter, not sure if he should be afraid of those idiots or laughing at them. Damn that Witchblade boy, they rode off with my hat! My hat of all the low-down... Manic trailed off as he dusted himself off. Oddly enough, Manic seemed a little less intimidating with others unusually tall top hat. Definitely less smooth, and not a magic trick or sleight of hand in all the world could change that. Danger rotters, Eisen said curiously, watching Manic pace heavily over the stolen top hat. Don't ask me that. A bit of quick thinking is all that was. Saved our hides, probably, and besides, I couldn't just let them... Intelligent rob with such a weak and uninspiring name? I mean, who would take seriously a ransom note from the thieves of danger? And you think Danger Riders is better? Mantic did not. So, I guess we followed the line north then? Mantic got in the groove in the earth. He'd almost forgot about it due to those idiot thieves. I guess so. See if they left us our horses at least, which I'm sure they did not. Mantic was right. Once he and the boy climbed up to the bridge, they found their horses were nowhere to be found. There was, however, in place of the horses, a very grayed and tired-looking mule. A note fluttered from the cord tied around the old animal's neck. The note upon reading it was a thank-you card from the Danger Otters. Mantic read over it a few times before letting the wind take it. Heisen watched the old parchment swing way up in the sky on an air current and float away like a flying carpet. This is just great. The mule braid. Aw, he likes you, Eisen said, paying the stocky animal for hopping up on its back with relative ease. Eisen turned his gaze back to Manic, who was as serious a face as one could be. I'll walk, he said flatly. Oh, come on, Mantic, you don't want to go and hurt the old fellow's feelings now, do you? The boy said laughingly from top the aged beast. Feelings or not, I am not chancing being seen riding that old ass across the plains with my arms wrapped around your waist. Manic said this coldly, reaching up for the brim of his hat out of habit and grasping thin air. This seemed only to frustrate him further. Oh, I'm sure it's not all plains, Manic. There could be some rolling hills that could cover part of our travel. Besides, he's so sweet. The mule let loose his bowels, which plopped onto the wooden planks of the bridge in several clumps. Silence. Okay, I think I see your point, the boy said, as he slid down from the mule's back. Manic walked to the center of the bridge and lit a long cigarette in an attempt to thwart the smell of the mule, who obviously had much less shame than it rightly ought. He exhaled a smoke that carried in its depth a hint of oranges. The smoke lingered in front of the lute player for a moment before a whip of air pushed it like a stone cast out on the lake's surface. Eisen inhaled the citrus scent as he walked up to where Manic was leaning and joined him. Your cigarette reminds me of the beach of Prince Eric in the burning purple carriage that belonged to the tailor as and explained, as Manic blew a stream of smoke into the air. You found kinship in the old stitchboard, and eh? I found something, which is much more than I can say for the rest of my introduction to this place. The tailor seemed to care about his surroundings, whether they were important or not. He was the first thing I came across that made me feel like just maybe I'd actually make it home. But there was hope beyond just my own thinking. Sounds like you took quite a liking to the fellow. I am glad then not to have had such an during encounter of the man, why do you say that? Because I believe I intend to cut him. You see, boys, always harder to cut down a good man. There are so many fellows with hearts blacker than the cast iron cauldrons of witches. It seems a shame to cut down any good man, for he's had his chance to change the world. I think he may have already changed it, man. How so? He saved my life for one thing. You think that's a good thing? Aden smiled to keep from feeling scared. His mind still did not fully trust this man, this murderous musician. The boy let his eyes skim over the landscape to free his mind of thoughts of Prince Eric, Taylor, and death. Sprawling hills rolled and tumbled in green frozen waves of green and brown, pockmarked with sparse trees that offered no fruit and less shade. From under one tree, Eisen could see a small rabbit-like creature take off at full speed across the open hillside. Like a great connect-the-dot game, the little rabbit ran from thick patch of grass to thick patch of grass stopping only long enough to take a break. The boy was so attentive to the rabbit that he never even noticed a large brown hawk falling upon it from the sky. One second he was waiting for the rabbit to take off towards another patch of overgrown grass, and the next found him watching the bird flying off into the clouds of what would surely be its dinner. The boy watched the rabbit as the bird flew away with him. It kicked and flopped at first, but as if it realized its situation, soon just lay still. Tom Isaac could no longer tell whether the rabbit was alive or not. He reckoned that it probably did not want to be. The boy turned back to Manic, who was looking in the other direction, finishing off his cigarette. I wonder what made the river go dry, Isaac said, pulling the two travelers back into one thought stream. It's a dam a few hundred miles south. Some government types built it a few years after the Hindwin downfall. They basically diverted this river to more important areas, meaning the homes of rich folks, of course. Apparently, Mother Guy and her children need not such waters to flow, as they allow it to be taken so easily and redirected to flow at the feet of powerful men and elves. Manic flicked a cigarette at the old mule as he said this. Do you think nature can fight something like that off? The man laughed out loud. Izan, you've been here for quite some time. You've been attacked by fairies and giant talking cats. You've been... Chased by murderers who enjoy a nice glissando, and protected them by a man who can weave clothing as well as he can battle. You've talked to ancient and wise trees that have been healed and monasteries full of nun whores and overzealous fox lords. As laughed, enjoying a moment of joy, it always pushed his gut feeling about Manic away that there was something dark, something else. And I guess you never know what to expect in the land of strangers, he added. No door should shut eternally, and I don't believe one ever really has. Manic paused as if touched deeply by his own words, then added, I'm rooting for nature. Eisen leaned on the rail once more, letting his eyes trace over the cracks in the riverbed below. Eventually, several cracks intersected with the razor-perfect groove that ran down its center and off north. The riverbed was about as wide as a paved road and as dried up as the beauty of an aging princess. Water was its beauty, and like the prince says, without that, it was destined to die alone. Eisen's eyes followed it ahead and out into the hills, where he saw a group of men on horseback, just as they were cresting over the furthest hill, and disappeared. "'Mantic, look! It's the thieves of danger... the... the... it's the... it's the danger-rotters!' Eisen said it all excited, grabbing Mantic by the crook in his arm. The man turned his attention to the riverbred, propping up high on the bridge, railing to get a view." He could see remnants of their crossing down into the riverbed a ways up. A faint dust cloud not yet scattered by the wind lingered above the furthest hill where the boy had seen them pass. Well, I'll be damned. You seem to carry not a touch of luck, kid. I don't know if that's you or it's maybe my bad luck finally having a change of heart. You know what this means? We can do two things at once, the boy blurted. A piece of one who just solved an ancient riddle or discovered some forgotten secret quickly. In short, he was practically foaming at the mouth with excitement, now. You are suggesting that the Danger Otters are with knowledge of the significance of the line, Manic said. No, 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 what I mean is that we can follow the line, and we can chase down those bandits to get our stuff back. Eisen froze, locked onto Manic, waiting for a response to verify the genius of his thinking. Instead, Manic raised an eyebrow at the boy. You really want that family blade back, don't you? Yeah, Manic, I do. I mean, it was important for me to carry it. At least that's the impression I gathered from your friend, Voldo. One. He was not my friend. And two, maybe the blade was supposed to be stolen. Maybe it's part of the divine prophecy that seems to unfold everywhere you go. You think prophecy would pick those idiots as players in the unfolding of events? Your confidence in the intelligence of the known players as it stands in this is astounding. But yes, I get what you mean. As Manning finished the sentence, he reached up out of habit and again grasped the brim of his top hat, which of course was currently planted on a very sweaty and barbarous head that was riding north. This seemed to push Manic's mood into Aizen's words. I think the line was made by a blade, Manic said, as it was already down in the riverbed at this point, and looked up at Manic, who was still leaning over the railing. A blade? Yeah, you know, one of those metal sticks with a sharp side, like that one you keep talking about? How can a sword make a line like this? It's half a foot deep or more, almost the same across. That would mean... Yeah, Manic said. That would mean the sword is really huge, like really big. Aizen stood there for a minute, flashing images of ridiculously long and wide blades coming into his mind. The sword would easily have to be seven foot tall or more to accommodate the trail it was leaving. How could anyone carry such a weapon? Eisen thought to himself as he let his eyes trail along the line and off north. You ready to go? I've been trying to go since I got here, the voice said, as Manic turned north and moved down the riverbed, hatless all the while. Two squirrels sat atop a dying oak, which itself had grown at the outer rim of a wide marsh. The red squirrel was hastily entangling a loose bit of spotted moss from a frayed tail, all while trying to maintain his balance. He did not notice the boy and the man who had been steadily approaching, following some sort of deep groove that ran right past the old oak and over a hill, right down into scratch-pad marshlands. However, the gray squirrel had spotted the two quite some time ago. Psst, you see these fellows approaching? said the old gray squirrel very loudly. For he was old and hard hearing. The Red Squirrel threw his hands up in surprise, lost his balance, and fell out of the tree in a ball of spotted moss. Did you see that just now? Manic blurted. Eyes turned his attention from the groove they were following, which had slowly started to fill with water the further north they followed it. No, wh- what did I miss? Manic stopped walking and pointed excitedly at an aged oak. Ha ha damn squirrel fell right out of that tree up there. Must have been at least a good twenty foot fall. Well, while you were watching nature's most dangerous moments, I've been noticing something happening with the line. It must be approaching a higher water level because the line is starting to have water in it. Manic knelt down and removed a single white glove. He dipped a finger into the dull water and rubbed it between his thumb and forefinger, then smelled it deeply. Eisen rolled his eyes and knelt down next to the loop player. Nantic, I know you know this area well, so what's with the Ranger act? Nanak scoffed. Hey. Just because I know where we are, it doesn't mean I can't still exercise these skills. Well then, Master Scout, the boy laughed, tell me what lies ahead. Mannix smiled his way into his answer. Well here, boys, smell this and you tell me. As leaned forward and inhaled the water scent from Manic's outstretched finger. Quickly he lurched back, falling to the ground from the crowd stands. Wow! That that smells like burning work boots covered in sour milk. Manic calmly smelled his finger a second time. You got all that from one smell? Maybe you're the Master Scout. Isen got up off the ground and shook his hair and dusted himself off. Marsh, I take it? Manix stood to answer just as many voices rang out over the marsh rim that rose up in front of them. The sudden voices in the air pierced the air hard and fast, like bombs dropping unexpectedly, and bringing with it similar instant confusion. The clinking of metal soon joined in with the loud shouts and random bursts. I smell blood, Manix said sternly as he crouched down took off toward the hill, leaving Aizen standing alone in the cracked riverbed. The boy looked down briefly in the confusion and realized that the groove that they had been following curved up and out of the riverbed. He took off after the line, following it out over the top where he could see that it went up the hill Manic was scaling and over the rim into the marshlands. Someone screamed. Eisen looked up to Manic. Eisen, quick, now come! He waved for the boy to hurry. Eisen scrambled up the rim of the marsh in seconds. His heart felt like it was going to burst at any moment. Amid the obvious sounds of battle, he felt a little more than a lost kid. Isaac swallowed hard as he peeked over the lips of the marsh's rim. The other side of the rim curved down sharply into low, soft lands that signaled the beginning of the great marsh. The ground was uneven and murky, often in places giving way to veins of brown marsh water and sparse patches of hardened brush. Here and there, trees hung low, nearly as murky and uneven as the rest of the surrounding. A bit of lingering mist blanketed the area in a final dash of visual glow. Of course, Eisen noticed hardly anything about the landscape, for his attention was cast at the scene, which was erupting at the edge of the marsh. Several men were standing across from a lone stranger, who currently had his back to a massive sword that stuck straight up out of the ground. The men and the stranger had come to some sort of a standstill, with the men pacing out of range of the stranger. The stranger had his hands up in a fighting stance, blood dripping from his metal gloves. A few men bled on the ground, all about the massive sword, dead or so close that it no longer mattered. One body was slowly being pulled into the marsh water by some unforeseen force. The boy took a moment to look at the giant sword-bound stranger. The blade itself seemed to be three foot across or so. It was at least wide enough for the stranger to have his entire back covered while he stood in front of it. He was stuck in the ground. The colossal blade towered over the stranger. The hilt was simple, black-wrapped with no other adoration save something dangling from the chain. Isaac, look, Manic whispered with what almost sounded like amazement as his words sort of dribbled out, broken and drawn. Isaac looked down to where Manic had pointed, his eyes instantly catching the line they had been following. The boy knew before his eyes even finished following that line that the maker was the massive sword, and thus the stranger. The boy froze with thought until one of the men, wearing an unusually tall top hat, stepped forward suddenly toward the stranger. Isaac turned to Manic but saw he had already seen Brindleburn, of course, his beloved top hat. "'I wish I could hear them,' Aizen said, leaning forward and straining to hear what was being said. "'Your ears aren't pointy enough,' Manning joked quietly. Aizen never had the time to laugh. As suddenly the voices had come, now once again so did the fight. Brindlebur rushed his opponent, and a metal-gloved stranger grabbed the leader by the collar as he came in. With a quick spin, the stranger pushed Brindlebur to the side and managed to also steal the barbarian's sword from its sheath in the same motion.' The danger otter's leader fell out of the way to the muddy ground just as a second danger otter ran up and was relieved of his head by a swift swing of Brendelbler's stolen blade. Two more of the men thought about charging then took off running towards the marsh. Calmly, the stranger knelt down and pulled a knife from his boot. He closed an eye to judge the distance and threw the knife with swiftness and grace. The blade whistled through the air in an arc of glinting steel much like an arrow from the bow. One of the running men went down, but Eisenormantik saw where he'd been hit. The other dove into the marsh water and was never seen again. The stranger circled the massive sword so that his back was now facing the bladed edge of the weapon. Brindlebird had gotten up and was stepping back to the front. He had a cut over his eye and blinked with the sting of blood. He tossed aside the top hat with a bloody smile. You kill my men and you push me to the ground like some slave? You will die! Brindlebird roared ferociously as he charged at the metal-gloved Stranger. The man leapt out of the way and Brindlebird crashed into the large blade. He turned around, more, most likely more of instinct than anything. Then Manic and the boy could see blood gushing from Brendelberg's face and chest, from crashing into the blade. In the second or two before the stranger attacked, Manic saw the danger Riders leader smile and could have sworn he heard a garbled laugh. As soon as Brendelberg turned around, the stranger was upon him. He stepped in hard, leaning with a left jab that connected, and pushed Brendelbler's head against the blade. Blood sprayed in the air like the wisp of water. A second overhand right pressed Brendelberg even harder against the blade of the giant sword, cutting deep into the back of his head and neck. Fury took over the stranger, screamed in bloodlust as he let loose a relentless arsenal of punches to Brendelbur's face and body that did not stop until sparks leapt into the air from metal gloves hitting the bladed sword's edge. The man stopped and Brendelberg, the two biggest pieces of him anyway, slid to the ground. The silence was almost perfect, only touched by the deep inhaling of the stranger and the occasional twitch of Brembleworth's body as the last of his nerves died. The wind swept across the surface of the marsh in whispers, as if to give the Danger riders' leader a moment of tranquility as he passed from this realm. There was fear hiding in the boy's throat, bulging out as Adam's apple and squeezing tight, all at once. He'd never seen such brutal devastation, and the gorse surpassed even what we, he had seen done to the headmaster back at Vauxhall Monastery. It was all Isaac could do to keep his mind from dancing with blood-filled images. Once your innards come out, it always makes me wonder how all that even fit inside you in the first place, Manning said, pointing to the red and purple gelatinous pile of insides that lay about Brindlepur's corpse. It, it does seem like a lot, the voice stammered, trying not to look at the shredded remains of the Dandrar's leader who looked like a toppled plate of spaghetti from where he and Manning stood. Hey! Manning yelled suddenly as he popped up from his hiding place like a rabbit from a hole. Isaac stood up too, though it was sheer reaction and surprise, that lifted him to his feet. My hat! The loo player yelled as he took off down the marsh rim with an ecstatic pace towards the top hat Brindlebird had cast aside a few moments ago. Isaac could also see the magic net lying on the ground near the massive sword. He wondered if these danger-rotter idiots tried to net the huge sword. Be you with the danger Rodders, Came a voice, brave and true. In the excitement, Isaac had momentarily forgotten that the man with steel gloves was even standing there. Seeing that Ned had warmed his mind, knowing the family blade would return to him, the desire had overridden the fear. but the boy noticed, it was only as the stranger's words were spoken. With a fresh blanket of fear cast over his lungs, the boy turned slowly towards the stranger. They met eyes, and Isaac could see a deep, undulating purple within his stare. "'Nay, stranger,' Manic interrupted. "Brendelburn and his danger-otters came upon us many miles back, "'robbing us of some of our beloved personal effects. "'He dipped his newly-recovered top hat in an epic sweep of etiquette "'and placed it squarely back on his head. "'Ha, ha, ha laughed the stranger. "'Surely such weak men were none of up the best of the likes of a gentleman, like yourself.' Manick said nothing but smile and approached the man with a hand extended in greeting. The "'Stranger met him halfway with a warm smile and clasped Manic's hand, "'which came off at the wrist.' The stranger stood there for a second with Manic's hand in his own before dropping it suddenly out of realization. The man with the unusually tall top hat laughed heartily as the fake hand hit the marsh ground with a squishy thud. Still falling for those old tricks, are we, Janus? Still freaking the world out with your lame magic, huh? said Janus, the stranger, through laughter, as he wiped a jovial tear from his eye and kicked the wooden hand off into the marsh water. Hey, I could use that again, Manic blurted, as the hand sunk from view. Not if I can help it. It's what heroes do, Janus said, adding. Trust me, you're going to thank me later. The two conversed for a few more minutes before Manic called for the boy to come down and meet the stranger, whose name turned out to be Janus. Isaac hadn't heard much of the conversation, but was curious as to the nature of the sudden calmness and clarity where moments ago had been fury and death. Plus he had seen the fake hand gimmick, which only further prodded to curiosity. I've been planting that seed all these years, old friend,' Janus asked as he pulled a canteen from a small satchel and poured water over his gauntlet. "'The blood of the danger rotters washed away and watered down streams of red, splattering in a pool on the soft, wet ground. "'Not my son, but a fine lad nonetheless. It's a long story, and one you'll hear fully soon enough, as, at least as much as I know of it. "'Eh, could have just as easy. I always did say you end up with a beautiful woman by your side, what with your royal looks.' Jana said this, pausing and adding, "'Looking like a young king of eng-fair "'and should draw you a wonderful woman.'" Eisen approached the two men slowly, unsure what was going on or being talked about. One second, he and Manic were hiding from the steel-fisted stranger, and now they're talking, joking, and laughing. "'Is that your real hand?' Jana sighed with half a smile and a laugh as Manic put it out. "'Oh, no, 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 no. "'Boy, come here.'" Isaac stuck his out and wiggled his fingers only to further fuel the laughter from the pair of them. This, Manic said, is Eisen Agro from Valius Arctaw. He comes from that way, as it were, Manic said over laughs, which stopped suddenly at the mention of the boy's homeland. Janus turned to Manic with a raised brow. This boy's from Valius Arctaw? Manic caught the look. You know of it? Janus took the expression from his face as he hooked a dangling strand of purple hair behind his ear. No, it's nothing, it- seemed familiar, but it sounds like a wonderful place. Mr. Janus, Isaac said in a squeaky voice, trying to ease the sudden awkwardness. Janus will do, young one. What is it? Why, why is your sword so huge? The Manic, of course, had a mind to jest about Janus' sword size, but instead just enjoyed the joke in his mind. He knew a golden line when he heard one. and Could always save it for later. Janus Hall returned and glanced at the towering weapon, which stood over a foot taller than... The wind from the marsh was blowing at an angle against the edge, giving off an odd whistling sound. Its black, plain hilt was flecked with blood now, which ran down the blade away. You know, lad, Janus said, I've dragged this hunk of metal across the globe and cannot rightly say anyone's ever asked me that. Isaac stared at the large blade a moment longer. He wondered how anyone could fight with such a huge sword. Sword? The family blade! Aizen suddenly remembered it, his own precious blade. He broke from the two men. The magic net lay near the edge of the marsh, and Aizen could see the sword as he approached. It caught the dimming sunlight, reflecting it off the smooth metals of the scabbard into Aizen's face, as if to beckon him closer. Aizen picked up his pace as the glint called to him. He could feel bubbles in his stomach as he bent down and opened the magic net. The boy took the scabbard in his hands. It was warm to the touch, warm like the embrace of an old friend, comforting Familiar. The desire to keep the weapon for himself always washed over him. After floating in joy for several moments, the boy emptied the magic net and tied it up nice to one of his belt loops and placed a sword on the other side. He intended to keep it, the least the danger riders could do for the trouble. He rose and traced back over to Janus and Manic, who were knee deep in a discussion that seemed political. Eisen thought briefly of his parents, who often argued over government and politics, Two people t- trying not to let Anger compromise their attempts at sounding intelligent. James was speaking forcefully when Eisen walked up. And I am telling you, Manic, that the Hinduins were victims. Simply put, nothing short of that can ever change. They were destroyed by the paranoia and greed of Angferrin and its king. And nothing will change that stain on the history books. And don't tell me I don't know either, you know, of my homeland. You know what happened to my people. Don't try and say I don't know genocide when I see it. Mantic took a step back and removed his top hat, gesturing with it into his hands to emphasize his words. Not so. The Lehendons were in an entirely different situation than the Adrothans. Lehendwa as a nation had failed to meet the king's like demand of handing over a single member of their society who had been thoroughly accused of and tied to an assassination attempt. Oh, come off it, Mantic. You know damn well as I do that Reagmar wasn't after that one Lehendun for some crime he supposedly was a part of. Your king wanted the fabled blood. Your king spilled an entire civilization's blood in the hunt for a single Ahenduin. Ironically, the only one to escape him, mind you. Janus paused to calm himself. The entire Ahenduin Empire died, protecting that lone one so that they ultimately sealed him behind the white door. The same door your king has been frantically trying to open for some day now. The same door that this boy... Banig waved a hand of silence as he approached. They looked at Eisen. Both men put on smiles, though Aizen was well aware that the conversation had been heated. Mantic cast a quick glance over to Janus and muttered under his breath. And when that door is open, we will see how the cards are dealt.
0: We hope you enjoyed our latest chapter. Be sure to keep an eye out for the next. Chapter 16 returns us to the mad elf in pursuit of Aizen and Mantic. With secrets from the dead town, Slendari sets out to a dark forest to fulfill the king's wishes and his own growing madness. Deep within the black wood, the elf will meet someone whose fate will be sealed for all time. Don't miss Chapter 16, The Heart of Strings.